stop right there. Hopefully we'll be able to get some some more out of our time opening up the scriptures. Uh, thank you again for Munoz and sharing their hearts. And you think about what God has done in our life. If we can take any amount of time to think about what God has done personally for you, we will all be given a standing ovation to God. Because he's always working. And as we looked at last week, sometimes we may think, man, God has forsaken me. God has turned his back on me. God is not there anymore, but he is always there. We're not always here. Our time on earth is going to be gone one day. But God is always here. And it is so comforting being able to hear testimony. It's so comforting to hear what God is doing. Uh, Just in one couple's life, but we could all uh, have very awesome stories to share. Before we jump uh, into our time together, I do want to say uh, a special prayer uh, for the Thomas's family. Uh, and Kim, mom had passed away a few days ago. And uh, as they have family in town, uh, just really praying for God to continue to use them as they've been doing uh, to shine even more light into their family, even during this tough time. Let's go to God in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come to you this afternoon, it's humbling to know that you still have us here on earth. It is humbling to know that you still have purpose for us. But it's also humbling to know that we're not going to be here forever. I thank you uh, for just the, the time that Kim and her sister had with her mother. I thank you for the time that her mother had with her daughters and how You orchestrate families. You put us in our families. We don't choose it. I thank you. I thank you for relationships. I thank you how you value relationships. You've shown us with your relationship with Jesus that you value relationships. You've shown us with your relationship with us, mortal man, imperfect man. You still reach out and you want to befriend us. You want to bless us. You want us to show you want to show your grace. And God, I pray that all the noise that happened in this world, all the strife that can happen, that we don't forget that you are still in control and you still love us deeply. We always want to give you the glory. Even when it hurts. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. What is heartburn? When you think about heartburn, what do you think about? You know, we had chili last night. So when I think about heartburn, I think about things coming up that's supposed to be down. The youth and family group, they had chili last night, too, at their event. So you might be experiencing heartburn right now. But the heartburn I'm talking about this afternoon is not acid reflux. I'm talking about our hearts burning for the gospel and the mission again. If you guys could turn to Luke chapter 24 as we move there. Uh, As a congregation, we've been reading the book, The Cross of the Savior. Been a great book getting us back to the cross, getting us back to what Jesus, who he is, what he stood for. And it's been great being able to see the different episodes 
of people that come in contact with Jesus and how he's impacted them and how they allowed him to impact him. Here in Luke chapter 24, we see two guys who were on their way to Emmaus. Uh, The setting here is this is the Sunday after the Friday that Jesus had died. They had just found out that Jesus was not in the tomb, which that's not typical, right? He was not there. And Mary and some of the, the other sisters there, they came and told the disciples that he gone. He's not there anymore. And I'm pretty sure they were just as amazed as we would be. But here in Luke chapter 24, verse 32, we'll pick up here. The guys, they were on their way to Emmaus. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he, Jesus, talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? These guys had an experience with Jesus. These guys were one of the few men, and actually the first men, to be able to see Jesus after he had resurrected. And they were able to see that, man, all these different things that Jesus had talked about, it has finally come to fruition. And guess what? They didn't have heartburn. But as the scripture says, his heart, their hearts did burn within them. And you think about we fast forward some almost 2000 years to today. How do we have our hearts burn? How do we get to that place where the passion that Jesus stood for, that the passion that ended up sending the gospel all around the world some 2000 years later? How do we grasp that passion? If we already have that passion, how do we keep it? If we lost it, how do we get it? If we never had it, how do we obtain it? And that's what I want to go through today. Look at this encounter that these men had with Jesus. So that all of us, we can say that, man, my heart burns for Jesus and his mission. That it burns for what he has for us. So how do we get our hearts burning again for Jesus or maybe burning for the first time? First thing we must do, we must hear the message of Jesus. It starts with Jesus, right? It doesn't start with us. It doesn't start with uh, ancient scriptures. It starts with Jesus. And in Luke chapter 24, verse 13, we pick up on the story on the road to Emmaus. It says, now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, which that had to be crazy, right? But they were kept from recognizing him. And I'm not sure what that meant. I'm not sure if Jesus had sunglasses. I don't think they had sunglasses back there. You know, did he part his hair differently, you know, so that they wouldn't rep- or, uh, recognize him? You know, did he shave his beard, shave his mustache? I'm not sure what he did. But they couldn't recognize him. In verse 17, Jesus asked them, what are you guys discussing together as you walk along? They stood f- still, their face Says downcasted, not because they recognize Jesus, because they're like, where have you been? Wait, you, we're in Jerusalem. The greatest man that ever walked this earth 
have just been crucified and killed. You know, it's like us not recognizing that we have a different president. Somebody say, oh, yeah, Barack Obama. Yeah, he's a good president. Like, wait a second, we got a different president now. Where have you been? What happened? What rock do you live under? And does it have AC, right? Because we live in Texas. But in verse 18, it says, one of them named Cleopas, he asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that happen here these days? We must, if our hearts are going to burn again, we must realize what Jesus has done. We must hear, we must know, I mean, because they were talking about it, right? Because Jesus walked alongside them, side of them, and he was like, hey, you know, what you guys talking about? You know, you always get that, that feeling. I don't know if you ever did that, where somebody was giving you accolades and then you show up. And you're like, oh, what are you guys talking about? Just so you can hear the accolades again, right? <laughs> I'm not sure if that was Jesus' point. But for sure, they were talking about the impact that Jesus had made. Not only on them, but the rest of the Jerusalem and the land about. Romans chapter 10, verse 14. You have to turn there. I'll be up here. It says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? If we're going to have our hearts burn for Christ, we must hear the word of God. But it doesn't stop there because there's many people on this earth that have heard the word of God, right? But that doesn't automatically mean that our hearts burn from God. What's the next step? After we hear the message, we must personalize who Jesus is. Who is Jesus to us? Not the man Jesus. He was a prophet. He was a teacher. He was a messiah. He was a great preacher. He was a miracle worker. He fed 5,000. He fed 4,000. He did all these things. You didn't know, what does Jesus mean to you? Because that's what truly does matter, right? In Luke chapter 24, verse 19, as the story continues, it, Jesus asked, what things are you talking about? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hope that he was the one that was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. For these, for these two gentlemen, personally, what did they say? They thought Jesus was going to redeem Israel. And in their mind, they're thinking of Jesus, the warrior, the, the one that's going to guide them into battle and to overthrow the Romans so that we can have freedom again, so we have the glory days like the early days in Canaan. So personally for them, that's who they thought Jesus was. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 15, talking to the disciples, who do you say I am? And I ask that same question to us 
this afternoon. Who do you say Jesus is? Who is he? Is he just some guy you sing about on Sundays, but never throughout the week? Is he a guy that you hear about on Sundays, but you never read about for yourself? Is he a guy that your parents talk a lot about, but you like, ah, maybe one day when I'm a parent? Is he someone that you don't even spend the time to get to know because you got too many other things on your calendar? Or maybe he's that same guy that we talked about last week who even though on the cross, he was able to keep his eyes fixed on God. And not only was he fixed on God, he's at the right hand of God because his faith and God's power rose him up. That now he's in heaven. Is he that Jesus that can take you in whatever predicament that you're in, like the Munozes did a great job illustrating, that he could take you through the fire, he could take, take you through the time where you feel like you're hidden from God, take you out of that and put you in his grace. Who is God to you? For sure, every one of us, after we hear the message, we need to personalize who Jesus is. But we can't stop there because personally, these men were thinking that Jesus was going to redeem Israel. So really, actually, frankly, whatever we think about Jesus, that don't change who Jesus is, right? We still have to respond properly to who Jesus is and what he's about. In verse 25, same Luke chapter 24. After we hear the message, after we personalize who Jesus is, we must be willing to learn more about Jesus. And not just more about Jesus, but accurately about who he is. And Jesus, after a while, he, he, he helps these guys out on the way to Emmaus on this little seven-mile journey. Verse 25, he says, he said to them, how foolish you are. How slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Which that had to be crazy, right? This guy that you didn't recognize is breaking out all these scriptures and making all these ties. You're like, man, I thought you didn't know what happened in Jerusalem, man. <laughs> Verse 28, it says, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted like he was going farther, right? You know, Jesus is always playing with us sometimes, isn't he? They're like, okay, all right, guys, we'll see y'all later. Have a fun time in Emmaus. But what did they say? But they urged him strongly. Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. We must be willing to learn more about Jesus. You know, he, he teaches so much. He, he's Walked with them. I'm not sure when he caught them on the journey. Was it was it mile one? So he had six miles to really catch up uh, with them. And that's what a little over two, two and a half hours of walking, you know, to walk seven miles. Depending on if you're a brisk walker or you like me, where I'm a little bit more casual, you know, like, hey, you know, listen to my music and all that. But they had this time to consult with Jesus, but more importantly, so that Jesus can consult with them. And I think about how learning more 
about Jesus and accurately about Jesus is where we all have been. You know, I want to show a picture of uh, the Easterwood family here. You know, this, these, this is a couple that has decided to learn more about Jesus. Not just to know something about Jesus, but they want to increasingly know more about Jesus. And we saw that. I remember uh, uh, my wife studying with Alicia and me studying with Nick, and we'll, we'll do group Bible studies together. And, you know, the Archies were in there, the De La Pingas in there. I mean, we had so many different people that loved up on this family. But the difference between them is the same difference for all of us. Is are we going to be willing to learn more? Because sometimes we get caught on what we already know, right? He's like, oh, no, I know enough. You know, my, my, my grandfather taught me. Or, hey, I went to, to Christian school. And we know how that can be sometimes, right? And we don't want to learn more about what God is trying to pour into our hearts. But because of the humility of the Easterwood family, both of them got baptized this past year into the kingdom of God. And now they get the opportunity to have their hearts burn for the kingdom of God. Their hearts burn for the mission. What is God trying to tell you right now? What is God trying to insert into you? So with these two gentlemen there in Emmaus, God had to help paint the picture properly of who Jesus was. Jesus, he's Lord, he's Savior. But is he going to be that in your life? If you allow him to do so, our hearts will burn again. Amen. In verse 30, as we kind of wrap up here, in verse 30 of Luke chapter 24, you know, he had stayed there. He convinced him to stay. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. Isn't that crazy? You're like, oh, wait, that's, wait, where'd he go? What, what happened? And they asked each other, verse 32, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we talked with the, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? So what did they do? It was almost night when they showed up to Emmaus because the evening was coming. Verse 33, they got up, returned at once to Jerusalem. They traveled seven miles back to Jerusalem at dusk or nighttime. And I don't know if you guys ever ran seven miles before, but I'm not speaking from experience. But I can I think it'll be tough to run seven miles. I've done three before and it was rough. But these guys, after eating some bread, even. They ran seven miles back to Jerusalem. Why did they do that? Because their hearts were burning for Jesus. They got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. Verse 33. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true. The Lord has risen and he has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on their way and how Jesus was recognized by them. When he broke the bread, he was recognized 
Because Jesus had done that before he died and he was doing that after he died. And that's how good Jesus is. He's serving us before he died. He's serving us still after he died. He's just trying to convince us, right, to go do the exact same thing. Because when you're a disciple of somebody, you do what that somebody does. So if Jesus is a servant, if Jesus is humble, if Jesus perseveres, if Jesus continues to keep the faith, that's what we're going to do if we're going to be a disciple of Jesus. We're going to follow his ways. We're going to do what he does because our hearts are burning within. Whom are you eager to share Jesus with? Whom you like, man, you know, I've been sharing Jesus with them or maybe I'm a, a, somebody, an image came to mind of who to share the gospel with. And it's awesome. You know, it was a couple that came over our house last night. It's a, the guy, he worked out with us at Fitness Connection. I mean, Fitness Connection is a great spot. But him and his wife came over with their two kids. And it was awesome with the Archies sharing our story, sharing the gospel with people. And just even see their hearts ignite for what God is doing. Whom are you eager to share Jesus with. You know, I think about this quote because Jesus ended up coming and appearing to all the disciples and telling that all you guys are going to be preachers. All you guys are going to be my heralds. All you guys are going to be sending my scripture, sending my ways, sending my life to the ends of the earth. And it's still for us to do that today. It's not just the preacher who does that. It's not just the elder who does that. It's all of us. That's why we're doing this disciple maker class at 215 today, because we have all been commissioned to get his word out. I think about this quote by John Wesley back in the 1700s. This, listen to the fuel that he had. He says, I fuel myself with the enthusiasm of the word every day. And people come from far and near just to watch me burn. They come from far and near just to watch me burn. That's what God wants out of all of us. He wants people to see our lives. He wants us to see our repentance. He wants us to see our humility. Because all that does is point us, point, use us to point right back to Jesus, right back to God. And guys, as we continue to do this, as we continue to pray, as we continue to let the fire burn within us, People will respond. Amen. Because you responded. I responded. People will respond to the gospel. So how do we just in closing, how do we get our hearts burning again? We must hear the message of Jesus. We must be in the word. If you're not familiar with the word of God, ask the person who who invited you. Open up the scriptures because it's a lot more than what meets the eye. When you start diving into the scriptures, it's a lot more than just, oh, these and thou's, right? God has something that wants to transform our lives. We must hear the word. Secondly, we must personalize who Jesus is. We must make him real to us. But we got to make sure it's accurate as well, right? Which brings us to our last one. We must be willing to learn more about who Jesus is. We must be able to know what the scriptures say about him and be able to know that 
I might have some misconceptions about who Jesus is. I might look at this world and I equate God and Jesus to this world. But no, he they're out of this world. We got to be willing to learn more. And guys, if we all can do this, we will be just like John Wesley, where he says, I fuel myself with the enthusiasm of the word every day. And people come from far and near just to watch me burn. I'm ready, metaphorically speaking, just in case, right, to see all of us burning for Christ. Because it's plenty of people that need that light in their life. And we're going to be that for them. Amen? Amen. If I have the worship team come up, we're going to close in one more song before we end. Amen? Amen. Amen.